If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to John chapter 8. We're going to look there today. Do you know what the first commandment that Jesus, or God ever gave in the Bible was? It was let there be light. Yeah. Light is a major theme in Scripture. God and light are so connected, so inseparable. The Bible says God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. That verse sheds some light on, on the verse that we're actually going to look at today in John eight twelve. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Did you know how important light really is to us? I mean, everything that we see is a result of light. We were created for light. We were drawn to light. I mean, think about our kids. How many of our kids were afraid of the light? How many of our kids were afraid of the dark? Right? The light is really what our eyes can see. Jesus himself compares him to light. That was the fifth I am statement. We've been looking these last few weeks at, at these great I am statements of Jesus, and they really help us to understand why, why I matter, why we matter. We've been discovering that lasting security, that true significance is only going to be found in Jesus. And I matter for one reason. Because I matter to God. And I know that I matter to God because not only of who Jesus said he was, but also who Jesus wants to be to me. So to help us understand this, the significance of I am the light of the world, we have to understand where he made the statement. If you go back uh, a little bit, John eight twenty, it says this took place in the court of treasury or the court of women. It was this large courtyard area inside the temple, one of the busiest parts of the temple. It was where all the Jews would come and they would offer their temple, uh, sac or temple offerings to pay for their sacrifices. And so because of this, uh, it was a very important part of the temple and it was also extremely heavily trafficked. The crowd would always be large there, but especially at this time. I mean, right at this point, it took place during the Feast of Tabernacles, right? This was a giant celebration, something like Mardi Gras or Cinco de Mayo or, you know, Sand Crane Festival, right? Hundreds of thousands, everybody would be there. It was this giant, important festival. And right in the center of this courtyard, there were these four great torches, right? They, they stood as high as the walls of the temple, and they had four golden candelabras with bowls that hold about 65 liters of oil in them. And there were these giant ladders to get up to them. And so every night when the sun would go down, the priest would carry the oil to the top and light these giant wicks. And these giant torches would be lit. These flames would leap out of them. And scholars say it could actually light up the entire city. These flames symbolized the pillars of fire that the Israelites used when they went through the wilderness, right? The pillar of fire represented God. And so scholars say it would have been at that moment, as they were lighting the torches, that, that Jesus made this statement. Let's read the whole verse, John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. You know, the meaning at that time would have been 
unmistakable to a world living in spiritual darkness. Because Jesus said he came as a light to bring significance to security to anyone willing to leave the darkness of confusion and meaninglessness and enter into the light of God's love. But light, as illuminating as it is, as powerful as it can be, as important as it is to our lives itself, light is only effective if it's allowed to function and if it's used properly. Imagine with me, you're, you're in a tunnel and it collapses. And everything around you is just pitch black darkness. And everyone in the tunnel with you is going to die unless you find a way out. And imagine you are the only person in that group who knows how to get out of the tunnel. And you have in your possession something that to the entire group is probably the most important thing in the world the most precious thing in the world. And it's not gold, it's not money, it's not gems or rubies. You have a flashlight. And it's that flashlight that can save everyone in the tunnel. So what do you do? The only way to save them is if you do what that flashlight was meant to be done and you shine that light. See, we as, as the church, we as followers in Christ, we have to shine the light so others can see it. You know, a torch that's not lit, useless, right? A flashlight that's not turned on, powerless. A match that's not struck, unnecessary. A candle that's not able to burn is irrelevant. And a light that's not allowed to shine so that others can see it is of no benefit whatsoever. You know, it's interesting, throughout the Gospels, you read about Jesus, and he compares himself to a lot of different things. And, and yet one of the major themes here he compares himself to is light. And what he's saying is, you know, what, what light is to our physical world, he is to our spiritual world. You know, you don't ever really appreciate the value of light, though, unless you understand the realities of darkness, do you? Years ago, uh, the church Amy and I served at before we were here, uh, it was this old church building. It was this big, like, cathedral ceilings. And, and I remember it was one night in December. There was a large group of us, and we were there decorating for Christmas. And we put up this huge tree and hung all the lights and the wreaths and the banners and got everything done. And at the end of the night, a couple ladies and these two little girls gathered up the last few boxes, and they took them down into the basement to be stored. And now, if you know anything about old church basements, in the middle of the day, they're not a great place to be. And this place, they had mice, they had bats, they had, I mean, we had everything in the basement. You did not want to go down there. But these ladies took the boxes down, and while they were down there, power went out. Pitch black darkness. And all we heard from upstairs was little girls screaming. Probably some of the ladies screaming, too. And it was horrible. Unfortunately, it was the time when smartphones were really starting to come out and they had the little flashlights on them. And so we were able to turn our phones on and get the lights going and we went downstairs and we found them and we brought them upstairs where there was at least some light. But they were scared in the dark. And you know, it got me thinking that that's how our world is, spiritually. They're stuck trapped in the darkness. And whether they'll admit it or not, they're scared. 
and they're lost. It's one of the reasons Jesus came to this world, isn't it? To expose the darkness for what it is. In John 3.19, he said this, This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds are evil. That's our world. Light has come. Jesus has come. He has sent his church to this world with the greatest light. But (laughs) our world loves darkness. You know, the reason that you and I can see in this room is all because of light. Right? If there were no light, I could hear you. You could hear me. But we couldn't see each other. Light enables us to see things that have been there all the time. But we couldn't see in the darkness. And we look at everything around us with light, don't we? Did you ever stop to think about this? I read this. When you're looking in the mirror, you're not really looking at yourself. You're actually seeing the light reflecting off of you. I mean, if you don't believe me, go into your bathroom and get pitch black and then try to look in the mirror. You don't see anything in the dark. The colors you see in the mirror are going to be the same that you would see if you would look down, right? Your color of your shirt doesn't change. It's color of your eyes and your hair are the same. But, but everything you see is because of light. I mean, if it weren't true, you, you'd have to rely on somebody else to tell you what you look like. That's why Jesus said in John 12, 46, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world so that everyone who puts their trust in me will no longer remain in the darkness. I read something else about light that, that helps us to see why Jesus compared himself to it. Did you know that light is incorruptible? It cannot be defiled. No, no matter what light passes through, light always stays pure. It's insusceptible to contaminations or infection. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's sunlight, moonlight, starlight, or flashlights. Whatever kind of light it is, it always remains pure. But in order for that light to be effective, it has to shine. In order for our light to be effective, we have to shine. We have to shine the light of Christ in this world so others can see it. But it's not enough to just shine the light. We also have to show the light so that others can follow it. Listen to the middle part of his statement. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You know, there's really nothing more frustrating than trying to find your way in the dark, is there? I I don't think my cat catches on to that. Because every morning at 5 a.m., my alarm goes off, and I get up, and I have to get ready to drive a bus. And the cat, which is predominantly black, likes to lay in the middle of the floor, the middle of the hallway, gets stepped on and tripped over multiple times. It's nothing more frustrating than trying to find your way in the dark. But can I ask you, do you ever feel in your life like the power is out? Ever felt like you're, you're living in darkness? Maybe you feel like you don't have a clue while you're here or a clue what you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you're facing a difficult decision in your life and you're just, you don't know which way to turn or what to do. Well, Jesus makes this promise. 
And he said the moment that we come to him, the moment that we surrender our lives to him and let him be our light, we'll never walk in darkness. Because that's the only antidote to darkness is light. Jesus knew that when he called himself the light of the world. He also knew that when he called his followers light. In John 5, 14, this is what he said. He said, you are the light of the world to his disciples. I mean, talk about the ultimate statement of, of significance. Talk about proving once and for all why, why you matter, why I matter. He calls each and every one of us who are his followers the same thing that he called himself, the light of the world. Keeping in mind that the basic function of light is to get rid of darkness. And you know that no matter how dark the dark really is, it never remains dark when a light gets turned on. Right? It doesn't matter how dark the room is, how dark the cave is, how dark the place is. The moment a light is shined, everybody sees the light. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 14. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give its light to everyone in the house. Think about it. You're sitting at home and the power goes out. Uh, what do you do? You, you go in the junk drawer and you find the candles and you put them on their stand and you light them. Or you go find the flashlights and you turn them on, right? You don't light the candle and then put it under a basket. You don't light the flashlight and hide it under covers. No, you hold it up so that everyone can see it. See, that's what God is asking of you and of me in this dark world is to show that light that is within us. See, you don't have to ask people to look at you when you turn a light on in the darkness, do you? They automatically look at you. But remember, if you're a Christ follower and you're in a school filled with non-Christ followers, you are the light in their darkness. If you are a family that follows Christ in a neighborhood of people that do not follow Christ, you are the light in the darkness in your neighborhood. If you're a Christ-following professional at work, in your office, where you're employed, you are the light in the darkness. And you can be a light by just simply saying a prayer before you eat by bringing God's word with you, by, by offering to pray for someone you know is going through a difficult time. But remember, God, he doesn't call us to be the sun. In reality, God calls us to be the moon. You know what the moon does? The moon doesn't actually generate light. And without the sun, the moon is nothing more than a, a pitch black rock full of craters. But when the moon gets properly aligned with the sun, it glows. And that's what God asks us to do. We need to be properly aligned with the sun and let the light of Jesus shine through us into a world of darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, and he wants us as his followers to light up the darkness that we are in so that others can see hope so that they can leave the darkness and come to light. And you can shine the light. You can even show them the light and still not do with the light what it was meant to be done. 
because you have to share it. We have to share the light with others. The last part of his statement was to those who have become followers. He said this, you will have the light of life. That word have is such a beautiful word here because Jesus is saying not only do we have this light coming into us, but in a real sense, we've become shafts of that light ourselves so that we can share it with other people. Because even if you shine the light and even if you show people the light, if you still keep it to yourself and you still refuse to share with other people, they're going to be confined in darkness. Now granted, anyone who lives in the darkness should have the right to stay there. It's their choice. But it doesn't lessen our responsibility to give them the opportunity to have the light that we have. One last thing I read about light. When a light wave hits an object, one of four different things is going to happen to it. Either the waves are reflected off the object, the waves are absorbed by the object, the waves are refracted through the object, or the waves can pass through the object and have no effect at all. You know, there are people today that are living in darkness because even though they have been shown the light and even though they have seen the light and others have tried to share it with them, the light's just passed right through. Hugh Hefner, founder of Playboy. Not someone you thought I'd mention in church, did you? But did you know that he was raised in the home of a minister? Or Joseph Stalin, communist dictator who murdered at least 20 million of his own countrymen. At one time, he studied to be in the priesthood. And Mao Zedong, the brutal Chinese leader, was raised under missionary teaching. Not everyone that is shown the light is going to accept it. So what are you going to do with this light called Christ? Are you going to absorb the light and let it become a part of you? Are you going to reflect that light so that others can see it? Or are you just going to let it pass through you with no effect? Choice is completely up to you. But remember, Jesus wants us to take our light to the people in the darkness and show them the way out. And so it's because of that that we have eternal significance. We are the light of the world. And we need to make it a priority in our life to ask God to give us opportunities to share that light with people that don't know God, who never darken the door of the church. You can be that light. You can go into the darkness. And you can find a way to shine your light so that others see Jesus through you. So that others come to Jesus because of you. And it begins by receiving it. So this morning, as, as we close, my, my question is simply, do you have the light of Christ? Or do you need that this morning? This morning, if you desire to...